millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. The one and only. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Books. Now, you threw me off there, because last time I I cut you off, and I missed the one and only. And this time I waited, but then you said more things, and I cut you off again. So uh, (laughs) we need to redo, we need to go to a a lesson on intros. (laughs) I, I think we need to get that right there, but I was distracted by my herbal nettle tea that I'm drinking nice. here. Are you into the old nettles, Dean? Right? Um, yeah, I love to rub my face on them on the sidewalk in uh, Krakow. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what we do, guys. Uh, Dean, uh, just to give a bit of background information, I'm very big into my nettles, and I like to eat them raw, make ice cream of it, all kinds of things. But uh, I, I believe this is not a, a show about nettles, is it? I think it's a, a show about books. It's Nettly, yeah, Nettly I Boys, the show. I, I, I did realize, Dean, I don't think books are, are in the toilet paper roll section. I think those are actually used for something else. Oh, so my I goodness. Think, so I, I went to look for them in trees, right? Because okay, they're good, made good. out of... Because books are made out of wood, right? I mean, at pages... They're, I they're think like, so, yeah. Wood. I was looking for, you know, like in the scene of As You Like It, I was looking for a bit of classic romance poetry in the trees there. Sure. Uh, I didn't really get, uh, I think it was different alphabets. I didn't I didn't really get, oh. I'm afraid, my language. Uh, you didn't find anything? Language. I'm afraid not. Um, so I'm very disappointed. So I'm still mm. looking for them. I thought there might be some um, Homer there or. Yeah. But they're made of wood. So. I have something in my house. Actually, my laptop is, is sitting on it right now, and it's a kind of square object um, that balances on, on legs. Is that is that books? Works it's a complete works of Shakespeare, probably. Hmm. It could well be. Computer <laughs> works of Shakespeare, I believe. Anyway, guys, if you have any more insight as to what books actually are, please let us know. That's it. Bookboys at hotmail.com. Guys, it's episode 23, <laughs> and next month is going to be the, the end of two years. Good lords. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was to be, uh, was it not in two months? Well, October, October is the anniversary, so it's yeah. like the start of the third year. So next next month is like the end of season two, if you want to kind of put it like that, you know? And, and me and Dean were talking. We, we had a... Um, we had a relaxing summer. We didn't do so much in the old uh, Patreon front. 
but there is a lot of promos and we'll bring a lot of Patreon extras. So if you want to join for only $2.5 a month or euros or whatever the currency is. There's a there's a song it, I think about it. this. There's a song about this which we're going to we're going to play in a few moments uh, I think. Indeed. But so let's We did do some stuff on Patreon. We did um we did one play. Indeed. On which on was Playboy's Extra in the Shadow of the Glam. Out of the Glen, uh, one act Irish play. Highly recommend mm-hmm. it. And uh, also, Alex, um, not Alex, Robert, Dark Place Robert from the Garth Marenghi's Dark Place show. We've decided to do another series. It's the pop. It's, so this time, instead of picking a show no one's ever heard of, we picked the new Sandman show on Netflix because it's also about dreams and dark places. And uh, nice. Dark Place Dreamers is back. And we've got four episodes recorded, but we've only released two of them. Um, so nice. that's that's the, already the Sandman, flying out. The Sandman. Well, I haven't seen it, but I do like uh, it's 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 based on Neil Neil Gaiman's comics, right? Yeah, I was sad about that, and that's really holding me back from enjoying it fully. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil Gaiman is an excellent author, and I've recommended uh, I think Caroline already on the show, and he's a. Uh, I really recommend you read one of his books. Mm. It's a really interesting philosophical fantasy books. Um, now, I think that's his one big comic, but he's more of a novelist, actually. Right, more of a right, right. Uh, Caroline is a perfect kind of children's book, but it's, got, it's very creepy and it's got adult themes. It's un- Alice in Wonderland-esque, but okay. I think you'd enjoy it. Well, yeah. it's an interesting swerve because last time I picked a crazy shoe that I thought Robert would find crazy and showed it to him and got uh, his reaction. Right. This time he's making me watch a comic shoe that I wouldn't normally like and getting my reaction. So we flipped the script. Right, so if you want to hear Dean's reactions, and uh, yeah, that would be very interesting. That's on patreon.com slash booksboys. Shall we we play? Have you got your piano ready there, PJ? I've got something. Let's see what we can do. Let's have a a look what we can play in the old piano. Hope you tell everybody that Books Boys got an extra 100 episodes or more on Patreon. It only costs three euros to hear us every day for a month. And you, you'll never be lonely, because you always hear voices, and you'll always hear about Dickens, Balzac, and Tolstoy Method. (laughs) And I hope that you don't mind that I wrote this little song for you, because we created an episode just for you. Come on, Dean. I hope you don't mind. mind. I, I hope, hope you don't, don't mind, mind that we put down in words how wonderful Playboys is on Patreon. For three dollars, two pounds, fifty or something similar in euros. In the European zone. My book. Hey, not bad. How did I do those harmonies live, improvised, you know? Amazing. Well, very, um, it's, it's quite a, an incredible, yeah, Mozart, yeah, I know it's like, <laughs> wow very, very good that was so um, to... you can hear the full version of that actually on uh, on one uh, on the, the shadow of the glad episode pj you went for five minutes i think so you know it's all there nice nice, nice. yeah exactly so that there is an extended version if that wasn't enough for you kids and this time we aren't interrupted by the sound of angry students in a library or uh, crickets or sheep but by me sipping delicious nettle tea. So for some reason, I'm going on about the nettle tea. 
But should we move on, Dean, and talk about... Move on from the NFT, because I read a lot of flipping books, so I better talk about some of these books, um, actually. You haven't either. You've warned me already, so I'm ready. (laughs) So get ready for some hot stuff. So the first thing I read, and I think I I promised or at least hinted that I would read this, Mm. El Fin de los Escribas. Um, So it's the final part of the Glenn, uh, almost like Glenn Miller, the jazz man, of the Glenn Cooper um, series. Now, we did say that there was a little short story to read in between, but I, I just couldn't find it. Like, we said that these are hard to find, you know, in, in English especially, but yeah. I couldn't find the story even in Spanish. Um, but this is quite well, a short I, book. If any, one of our re- Actually, if any one of our readers can find it, please send it to us and get in contact. Say hi. It's called a library card, I think. If you have it, please, please, booksboys at hotmail.com. Send it to me. Tell me where to find it. Something like that. Exactly. So this is, well, the end of the scribes, but actually the English title is The Keepers of the Library. So I don't know what, (laughs) someone's translations need work, but... um, And you decide to read an English book in Spanish. It's a very interesting choice. Yeah, of course. Just because I couldn't find it in English. Um, But look, it's a short book. It's less than 400 pages. It's a little paperback. Um, I think it's very, very accessible. Okay. Um, So what happens here is... We're back with Will Piper, who's our our main guy. And there's something I don't like. He's kind of doing a James Bond type thing. Like he's on a boat with like a bikini clad girl and she like wants to sleep with him, even though he's married. And there's this temptation. I kind of wish we could just lose that trope from like TV and and books and stuff now. You know, the kind of sexy cop that get uh, the cop that gets all the sexy younger girls. Like, I don't really think we need that anymore. You know, um. The difference with this book and the last one is we do see a little bit more of uh, Nancy, his wife. Or at the very least, she comes across, I think, a little bit stronger, um, which is something that that I liked. Okay. So this book doesn't feature really cool people like Shakespeare or Nostradamus, oh, but we do have Benjamin Franklin. Okay. It's a bit of a, I love that concept of mixing historical figures. That's a bit disappointing, but at least you have one. We have, we have Franklin, yeah. Um, now, what I do like about this one is, unlike the second one, it has a little bit more scenes set in the old times. You know, the, la- oh, the no. second book was mostly modern with just a few flashback scenes. This book mixes it up a little bit more, um, which is something that I really, really enjoyed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nice. it's a few years later. We're getting close to that 2027 date that the world's going to end. Because the, yeah. the books, well, listen to last month's episode. I'm not going to repeat it. We've got enough to do. But, um, but yeah, it's the, the end of the world. The prediction is 2027. Or is it? Ooh. Ooh. So their son has grown up a little bit. And he gets a message from a girl saying, you're Will Piper's son. You're the only person who can help me. Please come. And she lives in like Yorkshire, I think. Like in the middle of nowhere in England. In like a little farm kind of, you know. And this they, they're in New York. So this son just disappears and flies over to help. And then the parents are really worried, you know, so they kind of get the FBI on it. We got to go find our son. And that's how the novel starts. He go, the son goes to look for a girl calling herself Haven. And okay. Will goes to find her, to find the son. And it's a weird community of little farmers and no one's really telling him anything. But this one family seem a little bit more educated than the others, and there's a little bit 
off-putting. And Will's given a, a like a, an MI5 girl to help him because they they you know the the American government tell the the British government you know to help. So they go in, mm-hmm. and this isn't a spoiler because it happens very early on. Will gets kidnapped by this family as well. Okay, and it turns okay. out this is the really interesting thing. What's in the basement of that house? But more scribes. All right. Okay. So then we have in, some... the, in Yorkshire, in like in the middle of nowhere, New York. Yes. So then we have some flashbacks that show obviously how this came about. But right at the end of days, they all wrote that 2027 was the end. They didn't mean the end of the world. They just meant that was the end of their task. And after 500 oh, years right. of writing, they stop. And the 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 destiny shifts from Vectus and the Isle of Wight to Yorkshire. And this one one of the scribes impregnated a girl on the very last day. And she leaves and she gives oh. birth to a new scribe and they start a new system, a new library again. Interesting. Yeah. And it goes, okay. this one is goes for longer. Actually, it's been going for 700 years in New Yorkshire in this basement. But okay. it's um, slower because they don't have as many of them. You know, they're not, they're not giving them village girls to reproduce with the way Vectris was doing in the 1300s or whatever. So this is a lot yeah. slower. Um and then it's weird because to avoid giving them other girls, the family are reproducing. So then there's a lot of like incest within the family. Okay. Because the family are reproducing with the scribes and then like with their own children as well to try to help this lineage. But they're really attached. Like our family has been chosen to do this. This is our destiny. We've got to keep this prophecy alive. But again, they don't share it with anyone. You know, they just want to okay. keep it. So then what happens Oh, I mean, World War Three almost breaks out because the Americans who owned the previous books, because they took them from the Isle of Wight that Churchill gave them, they want the books. This time the Brits are like, no, nah, we think that was a mistake giving you all the control and taking them to Area 51. We're going to keep them this time. And then the all Chinese right. come in and they say, we, we're the most populated uh, nation. So like if any nation should have it, it's us. And then, like, this fighting breaks out with, like, helicopters and explosions and everything. And this little farm in Yorkshire, the CIA are there, and the Chinese are sending secret service types there, and MI5 are there, and it's crazy. Wow, okay. And Will tries to leak the story to his um, daughter's husband, who leaked the previous story for him. But this time, we don't know if he can be trusted again or not. So, sowing little seeds. But we have these really good ancient scenes as well. Well, not quite as ancient, but old scenes with Benjamin Franklin. Um, something for the youngs, you know. But they they paint they paint him as a good guy. Okay, and is he relevant to the story though? He's obviously he involved is. in. The he, they right. find one book amongst all the library that's different, and it's his diary. And he visited both oh. libraries, the original and the new one. Okay, and okay. he helped. He helped one girl there. Um, he's not super relevant. I don't think he really moves a lot in the story, but he does, you know, tie in with it. Um, but I do love that concept. That's what what that's why I get the most of these books. They're mixing historical figures, and um, yeah. I always like that. Yeah. Honestly, that's this nice. is one of my favorite series of books. Now, I still say the original is the best because it's shocking, and you know, you don't expect what's happening. And the more it was on, it's a bit more of the same. And there's the trope right, again. Yeah. The woman who's running the farm also wants to sleep with Will, and it's like, okay, can we just drop this trope? You know, yeah, like, oh, we don't need yeah, that. So you know? <laughs> um, Even though he's got a great idea, it sounds like he does kind of just try to recycle the idea twice at least, right? That's yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, but I we mean, have some scenes. With... We got a great. 
if you've got a great concept, you you attempted to do that. Like Murakami's books do feel very similar. Well, not too yeah. similar, but they do seem similar enough from time to time. Yeah. Interesting. There's, okay. there's some nice bits um, as well, you know, in the end of Days and Vectors and how they're trying to like get the girls to like be impregnated by the, the monks. It's really scary. And they take them to these weird, creepy rooms full of like skeletons of dead scribes and like, you know, essentially r- raping them there. And it's some of the some of the parts are really difficult to read. Um, just with the that whole kind of morality, of right, it. Okay. Um, but they think they're doing God's work because this is like prophecy from God that they're fulfilling. So they think this is the only way to do it, you know. Um, right, okay. And they rescue one girl, Clarissa. But there's also some scenes where Benjamin Franklin. Um, Go ahead. No, just saying it does sound like throughout criticism for kind of cults and like these new religions that especially appear in the U.S. Right. Uh, so yeah. it seems to have a seems to be a thing like yeah, it was like with the incest and all that stuff, yeah. And there's another cult in England that actually Franklin joins. And what they do is they okay. keep the, they keep these young girls that they dress up as as um nuns and they they bring them oh. in just to like serve them, you know, re- read into that what you will. But although Franklin goes a few times, he's always depicted as not really partaking. He just wants to like have intellectual discussions with them when when he's given one a girl, you know, and and he he comes across right. as a, as a kind of good guy, um, and he has a little bit to help one girl, um, probably not really a lot, you know. As I say, he's not a prime mover in the story, but he does a little bit, and he does come across, I think, as as helpful. So, and then at the end, of course, it's you know, is Nancy going to come and help? Because that's kind of what she does in the last book. So there's a lot. A lot going on here. Um, scenes in the past and the present. This is a was amazing spoiling, book. Without spoiling the ending, do you think it ends well, the series? Is it a fitting ending for a series? Or were you a bit disappointed? Um, I think the family are fine, you know, but whether or not... I think it was a mistake to change it. I think leaving 2027 as the end was better. Because now we don't oh, know okay. if there's an end. Because they wrote more books, and maybe they'll continue. You know, once you once you do that once, you don't know if it's ever really the end. Whereas I like mm-hmm. the idea of well, we're in 2022 now. You know, I like the idea of readers like hosting parties yeah. and like, oh my god, it's the 9th of February 2027. Like, is this the day the world ends? Based on these fictional books and and having this whole yeah. cult following. You know, and that's gone now with the third book. You know. Okay. okay. Uh, maybe maybe the whole point was he he kind of. He's criticizing cold, so maybe he's kind of saying, well, don't make a cold out of my book. I'm going to stop that now. But I know what you mean. It's tempting the idea to celebrate a book like like we saw with the book um, that we both read, Winterset Hollow, because uh, I like the fact that in Winterset Hollow, they have a day where they celebrate it, and that could bring it into real life, that if you like this book, you also celebrate the Winterset, the, 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 the day that they celebrate there. Yeah, so I do yeah. like the idea is that you celebrate certain certain books, uh, certain days like Bloomsday, whatever. So it's a pity they did, they did that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but it's well, you know it's it's a good book. I I recommend everyone find the first one at least. Uh, El Biblioteca de los Muertos and try that. In in English, is it called just the Library of the Dead? The Library of the Dead in English. Only the third one has a different title. I don't know why. Right, okay. Well, Spanish do that sometimes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, well, it does sound very tempting, I have to say. It does sound like it's uh, uh, just the kind of book that I might like. A bit surreal. Is it a bit surreal, would you say? Uh, even though it's also a thriller? Yeah, it's very surreal. Uh, it oh, is, yeah, but it's it. it's brilliant. So, yeah. 
What I'm going to do next is we have a clip from a nice lady here called Alexandra C uh, that she sent us. I'm just going to play this. It's only about a minute. Good thing I'm PJ. This is Alexandra C, author of the short novel Alexandra C, All the Lives We Haven't Lived. I've discovered your great bookstagram and literary podcast by chance, and I have enjoyed it very much since. As a Spanish national, I appreciate that you often discuss uh, literature written in Spanish. And uh, thanks to you, I have discovered some Spanish authors I had not read before. In my case, being Spanish, I have dared to write my first book in English, though. And I'm thrilled that you have taken the time to read it and extremely thankful that you will feature it in your podcast this month. More info on the novel can be found in my Instagram, Alexandra C. Lower Dash Writer. And uh, well, I wish you a very nice podcast that I will be listening to um, as, soon as, it, as soon as it's available, as I always listen and uh, follow your account, your great account. I wish everyone a great day. Muchísimas gracias. Buenos días. Okay, so luckily little Alfred has gone and prepared some more tea for me. Indeed. And I've got to ask myself some more nettle tea. Yeah, good. I just want to say thank you very much for the lovely message. Um, uh, we really appreciate that. And it's lovely to to hear back from, from you guys. And Spanish literature is great. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, to, to hearing more back from you and just feel Anyone can feel free to to just write to us, send us a message. Yeah, I always and... say I always say email us, but you can just use Instagram or any of those. You know, we're on Twitter and TikTok. Well, I'm trying to avoid TikTok at the moment; it's quite toxic. But Instagram is the best one. <laughs> the voice message is lovely to hear as well. So, thank you very much for your feedback, Alexandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally, she found us because she's from Santiago de Compostela, and uh, I was doing some posts there. I was, you know, doing some photos there and reading there, and. Uh, then she found the show and everything, and that's that. And I have here her little book, Alexandra nice. C. by Alexandra C. Well, that's that's great. I love the cover as well, Alexandra, and um, and I love the fact that you're using English as your Spanish, but using English as a language. Because I mean, there's so many great authors who use their second or third language. Like Joseph Conrad comes to mind, whose mm-hmm. third language was is considered one of the best English speaking authors. So Alexandra C, so tell me about it. Dude. This is so well. Just to point out, I read an English book in Spanish, and now I read an English book by a Spanish author. So everyone's just, it's just <laughs> mixing up everything, you know. But um, I love to mix know, up things. I really enjoyed this, and it is it is short. It's it's um, roughly a hundred pages, maybe slightly less. So if you've got some free time, you know, you can read it in a day. You know, if you if you have the time, yeah. um, maybe two days. You know, if you're busy, it's it's not a big read, and. So it's Alexandra C by Alexandra C. So my first thought is, well, is this a, is it an autobiography? But uh, no, it's not. Or it's fictionalized or it's something. And the answer is, I don't know. And I try to ask, you know, is this, is this fictional? Is this real? It's a mystery. You've got to read it and and figure out for yourself. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So I like the fact that you're also keeping it a mystery as well. That did you? You also asked Alessandra as well, right? And she didn't really say anything about that. Uh, no, it's uh, I've been told that we just need to read it and make our own interpretation. 
But I'll tell you one oh, thing. If, oh, it's re- if it's real, I'm very jealous of her lifestyle. <laughs> so, wow. Okay, well, tell, tell me about it. So what happens initially, well, the, the opening point is not something to be jealous about. A friend of hers uh, passes away, okay? Her friend, Ernesto. And um, it was a friend that, you know, she had met, but a lot of their friendship was also by, like, email correspondence and that kind of thing. So they kept in touch over the years, you know? Um, and there's a lot of that. It seems like she's very good at keeping in touch with a lot of people. Um, but this, mm. this jet-set lifestyle of just going here and there, and they're on, like, a kind of cruise ship at one point. She's flying to this country for work and that country for work, just having a great time and meeting a lot of guys along the way. And the stories about these different guys she meets, you know, at one point she meets this guy much younger than her. And this guy says, she's like, I'm old enough to be, you know, to be uh, his mum." And her friend says, well, I don't think he's thinking that, by the way, he's looking at your ass. You know, he's not thinking of his mum. And uh, then she meets the guy anyway. But then she takes him on a holiday. They go away somewhere together, you know, like it's very jet setting. And then at the end of it all, you know, she, she sends him a message. No, 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 no. I'm just being at the end of like his chapter. She sends him a message, you know, a few years later or whatever, and says "Happy Christmas" or "Happy New Year" or something like that. And mm-hmm. and um, so he sends her the message, and she says, "Who's this?" And says, "What's well, the the young guy that you took away on holiday to make love to?" You know, but I guess she does it <laughs> so much that she's like, "Oh yeah, right, okay, one one of them," you know. <laughs> Interesting. And there's some. Well, I'm not going to swear on the show, so I'm going to use euphemisms. But there's a lot of the young guy um, you know, made love to me in every corner of the apartment. And here's the, under this picture of this celebrity and under this of that, you know, and, and it's, it, but I love it. And we get wow, to see okay. the people who hang on her wall, the different uh, pictures of men and women that, that hang up on her wall as well. Um, but okay. all this is framed. And I'm reading this thinking, you know, I, this is such a fun person. She seems very sophisticated. And even speaking to her, she's a very glamorous, very lovely lady. Um, yeah very very glamorous lady but i'm just reading this thinking i want to live this lifestyle like this is a lot of fun this is great but at the same time there is this underlying was ernesto the one that she really loved all along mm-hmm. you know right yeah and yeah. maybe and she and as, as the book was on you start to kind of see that more and more you know maybe oh, yeah. maybe she missed out on that real opportunity um or is she just thinking that because he's died and that's very in her mind at the moment and, and in her heart oh, wow. you know and so she wants to go meet up with another friend of Ernesto's to actually ask a little bit more about about him, like in his lately in his day to day kind of life, you know. So she's trying to figure out if she's romanticizing the Ernesto who's passed away, or if it's or if it was really the real thing. I get it, yeah. Realism versus romanticism, right? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. I mean, this is interesting because it's. Like it even says on the back, this book is its own genre. And I, I kind of agree. Like it doesn't really fit a genre. It's not memoir. It's not mm-hmm. realist. It's not romanticist. It, it, it kind of blends things beautifully. Uh, and for for her first book and for, you know, her first book and such a short book, it was very hard to put down. It was very well written. And I really, I honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, wow, I'm so glad you. that she got in touch. Um and then she's from yeah, Chicago, a, a city that I I was in just last month. So, well, been there a few times. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a lot of times. Yeah, um, nice. There's a few funny bits in it as well, you know. And she kind of has some nicknames for some of the different guys. And sometimes she'll just stop and talk about music. And she was listening to some Frank Sinatra and things like that. But she she mm. talks about a few different guys that she met, 
and compares them. And it seems like she lives a very jet-setting and very free, you know, kind of lifestyle. Um, and I loved it. It's, it. So I recommend it if you can if you can find this one, Alexander C by Alexander C, with this lovely cover. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much for getting in touch. That's great. Yeah, well, thanks very much indeed and for saying that book. And uh, would love to have a read. Dean has it at the moment. But next time I see him, I'd love to have a read because that does sound nice. And I like the fact that it's it's a great lifestyle, but there is an undercurrent, as always, there is in life of, you know, sadness as well, maybe. So something, thoughts about the past and maybe regrets. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, such a great life as well. It's just very uh, great. And I I think that's the way it should maybe. I, I kind life. of see her now as this, you know, some stock photo of like a couple on the balcony in Paris with their wine and the girls in a nice dress. And I, that's kind oh. of how I see her now, just from reading the book and from chatting to her a little bit, this very lavish, lavish kind of lifestyle, you know? Lovely. Okay. That's great. Wow. We're going to hear so, something that you've read in a moment, but first real quick, it's time to have a little message from this month's sponsor. And this month we're sponsored by the Society for Dialogue. So if you head over to the Society for Introducing Dialogue into your books.gov, you can find. So let's imagine imagine this now. And it, it happens a lot, um, particularly in um particularly in South America, PJ. It happens a lot that maybe you've written a book. Maybe you've written a book and you finish it and you think that's a good story, you know. Maybe there's three generations of the family in the book. I don't know. And then you think afterwards, goodness, they've just not spoken to each other for three generations. No one in this family, they're all they're all mute. What's going on? We need dialogue in your book. So head on over to the Society for Introducing Dialogue to your book.gov and they'll help you to just introduce some character conversations. If it isn't clear for you listeners, uh, I think Dean is tar- is addressing <laughs> specifically the South American of writers. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm very sad, Dean. You're, 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 you know, you're teasing. You like the Spanish literature, Alexandra. Yes, he likes Spanish, but you're, I don't know, Dean. You know, we don't agree on. on I love South American literature. You haven't had um, such great experiences yet, have you? No, you're not your favorite. Most of the ones I've read, uh, they lack dialogue. But anyway, look, PJ, it's not my fault. These companies get in touch. They want to sponsor us. They're paying us the big bucks. Most of it goes to Alfred. You know, yeah, it's. It I wouldn't mind getting something myself. I mean, Alfred's living the high life. I think Alfred can write a book about his. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you can see PJ on the webcam. He's he's not even here. Like he's sitting out back chilling. He gets all the money. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, indeed. Well, <laughs> PJ, why don't you tell us something that you've read this month? So, and uh, this month I've kept it non-fictional. I, I, I okay. So you, of course, you all know that I love my Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. I think it's now officially become the most reviewed uh, little book in the, in the whole podcast because I mention every month. No, not every month, but I actually do a meditate on it every month. But I don't mention it every month. I hope. But anyway, so the Tao Te Ching. I just want to briefly mention this verse of the Tao Te Ching because it will lead direct to the book that I'm still reading. At the moment. So, verse 5 of the Tao Te Ching. I read it very slowly. As you remember, two months ago was verse 4. So, I'm <laughs> meditating the last two months, two verses. But okay. here it is, verse 5. It's useful emptiness. It's uh, by my favorite translator, Ursula Le Guin. The fantasy writer. Of course. She also translated it. 
And she calls a chapter used for emptiness. I don't think it has names to chapter in the original Chinese. Okay. But here it is. Heaven and earth aren't humane. To them, the 10,000 things are straw dogs. Wise souls aren't humane. To them, the 100 families are straw dogs. Heaven and earth act as a bellows. Empty yet structured, it moves inexhaustibly giving. So, as I explained, the Tao Te Ching is a 2,500-year-old book by Lao Tzu, just explaining um, kind of like guidances through life. Now, Confucius was a student of Lao Tzu, but Confucius was very dictatory, telling people what to do. Lao Tzu is kind of telling the opposite. He's being very vague. It's completely vague, very hard to translate. Um, Hold on there, PJ. I do like so you've, you've, you've talked about this a couple of times, but you've never mentioned yeah. before, or maybe I just forgot, that Confucius was a student. Indeed, Confucius supposedly went to visit Lao Tzu and described him as a dragon, meaning a dragon is always a metaphor for a complete mystery of a man. Because Lao Tzu mm. was someone who kind of escaped society, well, he just decided to leave, take a step back from society. And Confucius, as far as I know, was more involved. So he went to study from this man and came, went back to society. So Confucianism is actually very sort of, it's kind of more about like rules set up to like live your life good. But, but um, the original Taoism, it turned into some kind of religion, but the original Taoism was non-religious. It's just simply trying to um, trying to slow down life and it's usually it's kind of usually actually taking a step back from society okay and i like this verse because for me it's that the fourth verse was about abundance for me but this verse is about like almost the necessity of evil which is always something what we discussed in right in the, yeah in our philosophy courses back in the uh, so back like the, the idea is back in the days right as students um queen's university of Belfast, shout out um and we um it so like you know one theory is that evil is there because because we're supposed to have free will right because if it's all if evil weren't there if god made everything good then we will be forced to be good we wouldn't have the decision to not be good yeah and for me and for me the Taoist approach is um it's it's not really it's never really about a, a kind of a god or anything like that really in my opinion like not like a not like a human kind of god, but it's just saying that heaven and earth aren't humane. It isn't kind. It isn't this Christian idea that something is kind or something is evil. It's just heaven and earth behave like straw dogs. So for me, it's kind of like it's an odd metaphor, but for me, it's a bit like I always imagine this verse like wild dogs barking. So okay. what's out there, it's never like good or bad. It's just wild dogs barking. It's not like hmm. the idea of kind dogs, sweet chihuahuas. That's all kind of Hollywood is and very real. Mm-hmm. So this for me is a bit about kind of finding comfort in the fact that it's not evil, but it's not good either. It's just the way it is. So if it seems cruel to you, if it seems like dogs are barking at you, well, those are just dogs, you know. It's not that they're hmm. there to attack us later, but there's not their net. There's nothing is good. Well, like why souls aren't humane to them? The hundred families are straw dogs. It's a bit like, it's a bit like saying if you're really kind of above the the feeling of like, well, I'm gonna I'm going to prioritize my family or nepotism. If you're above that, then everyone is equally as important and equally as 
unimportant to you. You treat everyone the same. Yeah. So I like the idea. It's hard maybe to come to that, but I like the idea that we maybe also put less importance in things that we know or things or people we know, but also put maybe more importance to the complete strangers. So um, anyway, that's my little quote. Um, any, any thoughts about that, Dean? Uh, can, any disagreements about... Well, I said, or... no, I mean, yeah, okay, but we could, but look, we could do an entire podcast on that, you know, Yeah, yeah. yeah. and oh, I could yeah. talk about this, we could, I don't know, you could revive Kant's dream for, for a one-off episode, and we could talk about the necessity of evil, you know, and I could say that I don't think that if you have any kind of compulsion, that I don't think you're performing a moral action at all, <laughs> and I could say that even, even a non- you know, even a, even a light compulsion would do that. So even having rules to follow with some kind of societal pressure and norm to follow them and a punishment if you don't follow them, well, then you're not really doing a good yeah. thing by following them, you know. And we, we could go on. We could add infinitum about that, you know. Yeah, indeed, yeah. So I think that quote is a bit about that. It's, he, um, Lao, Tzu, Lao Tzu always goes out, out of rules. He doesn't talk about rules. So it's always just about like the things are just the way the things are. So maybe stop demonizing or stop, um, you know, angel- angelicizing things. So yeah. I like that idea. It's very much. It's very. It's very kind of realistic. I find as well, even though it's supposed to be meditations. So which leads me to my next book. Um, this is an interesting one. I think you'd be surprised I read this. It's um, it's a book called My Way, the Way of the White Clouds. Here it is. I'll show you. Okay. This- my way. Um, I'm living in a meditation center right now for those for those listeners who don't know, in a lovely room at the top of the attic in um, in Dresden. And this was recommended to me. It's by Bhagwan Sri Rajnesh. Sorry if my Indian pronunciation is is not very good, but he's more famous as Osho. So um, this is what made him famous. We're probably heard of him as well, right? Dean? So I, I Osho can't, I is, can't say that I have to be honest. No. Right, so Osho is a controversial figure, I suppose, because he has changed also throughout his philosophical philosophical career, a bit like Wittgenstein. So he he just um, changed, and he changed his name to Osho. So this is his early phase, uh, where he just was known as Raj Rajnish. And Osho is uh, basically um, hard to follow. He, I suppose, some people would call him a, medita- a guru, but I prefer just the word philosopher. Yeah, and he, but but he's also being controversial because he has, in his later career, mixed a rich lifestyle with meditation. So some people thought it was contradictory that he was kind of like this person who studied Taoism or the original Taoism, and then he went around the limousines. But anyway, I personally don't have anything against that. I think fair enough. You know, he seemed to have enjoyed life, but. I kind of want to get away with that, uh, away from his biography, because I'm more interested in this book, uh, My Way of the Clouds, which is basically interesting. It's basically um, advising you to live your life as a cloud. So a bit surreal mm-hmm. like that. But what he's going for is very, is very much like uh, the, um, Lao Tzu, and I like this. Um, if I can give you a mini quote. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole of existence is like a white cloud. Without any roots, without any causality, as a mystery. 
A white cloud really has no way of its own. It drifts. It has nowhere to reach, no destination, no destiny to be fulfilled. You cannot frustrate a white cloud because wherever it reaches is the goal. So I find this very interesting. He also says then if you have a goal, you're bound to get frustrated. The more goal-orientated the mind is, the more anguish, anxiety, and frustration there will be. Because once you have a goal, you are moving with a fixed destination. So anti-cloud-wise. And, and I find the idea interesting. He's basically just saying, stop, your, stop dreaming. Stop, goal, uh, stop having a goal. Stop uh, having an ambition. And just completely try to be in the present. And try to go literally with the flow. So you have like going with the flow. But he's not using the river metaphor. Uh, metaphor. He's using the cloud metaphor because the idea is that it's not water going along shores. Is that you're a cloud and you change shape. You change directions. You don't follow a particular river path. You completely are nothing and then something and then back to nothing again. So um, I find it interesting, the book. Um, just want to show you the pages. It's a beautifully, you can see it a bit. It's beautifully well made because there are photos in the book as well. And the prints uh-huh. is on the photos. So it's really like full of uh, pictures of clouds. And I, I, I think that's great. Like this one is amazing. So it's mm-hmm. just clouds and then it's written on it. And it reads like um, the Tao Te Ching. It's kind of not easy to read fast. But it just gives you thought about... Yeah, it just gives you thought like, you know, because we're very goal-oriented at funds, the Western mm. society. And, I, you know, I think this positive and, and um, cons, but he grew up in India, so he's using a very Eastern approach of actually forgetting your dreams and like kind of like the more you dream, the more you're out of reality, he's kind of advising. So it's just an interesting approach to take to just um, um, see yourself as a cloud. And he also advises us for mental health, for example, just letting go of the mind that we're maybe too much in the mind, he's saying. So okay. like really letting it go and just drifting like a cloud. Like a cloud. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice metaphor. It's a very comforting book, I find as well. Um, so just called The Way of the White Clouds, a, metaf- a, a reference directly to Tao Te Ching because, mm-hmm. um, because Tao Te Ching is basically the path, the enlightened path. So it, the way. So he's saying the way of the white clouds. Uh, I have to say this about um, Rajneesh. Um, he's, he's two things. He's a great communicator and teacher, but I don't think his ideas are necessarily new. He's very influenced. He's a, he's a scholar for me, really. He just modernizes the concept of, for example, the Tao Te Ching and makes it more accessible for people, which I think is very necessary. But I don't think it's necessary that it's not necessarily that he's come up with many new ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Fair. But which it seems, is, seems, interesting. Like, seems interesting. Seems yeah, interesting. I recommend it. It's, it's very, it's very good. Yeah. Hmm. So I think it's good to have people like that who just modernize the ideas because for me, this is uh, the Tao Te Ching with different metaphors. So I like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, at this juncture, I suppose I would just quickly say hello to everyone listening on Radio Oxen, all our friends at the TNC network also. And hello, again, there. hello there. And booksboys.com is the place where you can find uh, links to all the things. Should really update that uh, site at some point. But anyway. I thought you were going for a classic retro look, kind of. You know, I mean, it, 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 it does look very, very cool. uh, <laughs> yes. 
very classic, very retro. Very cool. But we were mentioning earlier yes. our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash booksboys. And I'm also going to mm-hmm. real quick play this little thing. The facts that will be presented are true. Yes, PJ. Hello there. Dean is always joined by Mireya. Say hello. <laughs> hello. Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again. So I've given you those nicknames. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where people will know you from. That's no, why you're going to know me from that one. Let's carry on. <laughs> hello, Mother. Can you hear it? Join us for Shakespeare reviews, Spanish plays and poetry, rock star interviews, film reviews, dark place dreamers, and more. Patreon.com slash booksboys. There we go. Guys, go and get all of our shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus the t-shirt and various other bits and pieces. So go and, go and do that. Well, they do that. What else have we got? Shall I tell you what else I what I read next, PJ? I um, been a big you've been a big reader t- uh, this month. Yeah, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so we remember that I I did La Regenta. Um, now we had a lot of complaints about this. Um, a group of people, <laughs> the the Association for Fans of La Regenta, they emailed to say you read a nine hundred page book and you only spend like five minutes talking about it. Um, and then I checked how many people were in this association, and it was zero. It was zero. So I was just about to say it must have been maybe one, one dimension person. Yeah, just zero. There's no yeah. one. No one called it. a cloud called you basically. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted because to give. I haven't him another met a try. person. Oh, what? But I haven't met one person who likes Clarin. So, to be fair, <laughs> so well, you've um, met just, one, PJ, because I'm now a fan. Indeed, you are. Are you really a fan of a shorter works, at least? They must be better, though. Yes, they are a lot better. Really? I said that my only problem with La Regenta was that it was so flipping long. Um, and you really think... going for the Anna Karenina method. Yeah, that's it was. It. it was. And, you know, these 900-page books, you notice the trick about them. They've also got bigger pages and smaller writing. So your, your average 400-page <laughs> paperback is like 100 of these 900 pages, you know. So these are super long. And La Regenta was endless, you know. And I've read this, Una Novela y Ocho Cuentos. So a, a, a short novel and some uh, eight stories. This is um, Leopoldo Alas, Clarín, obviously the nom de plume. And this is a series of stories. Now, I don't know what's the cutoff for a novella because these are all about the same length. The novella is only about 10 or 20 pages longer than the short stories. Um, so I don't know how many pages are, are required to um, become a novella and not a short story. Maybe it's 50 or 60, but these are all in and around 30 to 60 pages. And I'm not going to talk about them all. and I'm not going to like a, you know, a great amount of detail about them or anything like that. But I did really, really like them. Let's talk a little bit, and again, not in any great detail, but just quickly a little idea of what some of these are about. Um, Adios Cordera is one that I was excited for because it's supposed to be somewhat dystopian. And then I read it, it's oh. like 10, 20 pages. It's very short, so it doesn't really have time to build anything. Um, but it's about missing someone who's left, essentially. that's Is it dystopian? I mean, I guess in the sense of just like the sadness of someone leaving, but not... Not really. It's not. It's not Orwell, you know. 
Okay, okay. So actually oh. it was one of my it was the one I thought I was gonna like the most, and I have no notes on it. I didn't care about it at all. <laughs> okay, good. And El Diablo in Semana Santa, which was another one that was quite famous because it has the characters from La Regenta. It's the little ten page short story at the end of La Regenta. Again, wasn't right. really interested in it. The devil appears during Holy Week, during Easter in the in the church. Okay, cool. What can you do with ten pages? You but know. That's, that's not good. Yeah. But I do like the concept. I do like the devil in, in literature. So I mean it's always but it didn't work out. What a pity. Yeah, it didn't. I, I would have thought that the, I would have thought that's a sure shot, you know what I mean? Incorporating the devil into literature. Right? Like Faust, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, or, or, yeah. I just didn't find it that interesting. Cambio de Luth, change of light. Again, I didn't really care about. Um, but let's look at the ones I I did like. Okay. So Dona Berta. Uh, Dona Berta is quite quite good. It's some of these. Some of these get almost Dickensian or almost Balzacian, um, mm. Flaubert kind of style in a way that I did not see in the longer work. So I, I like some oh. of these, and maybe you'll see as I talk about them. Dona Berta is this lady that we see sort of slowly going a little bit crazy, and she's friends with this okay. painter, and she keeps talking about how beautiful the painting is. But it's her captain, and she's this idea that she had a, a captain that she was um, was her son, and then okay. she kind of starts to go a bit confused about whether or not the person in the painting is her real son, and then people aren't sure if she even had a son, and if, you know she almost thinks the painting is her actual son, and she goes to look at it every day, and all this kind of stuff. So that's interesting. Okay. It was interesting, and it's it's the headline one in this book. It's the novella, but. I thought it was it was it was average. The rest of these short stories that I'm going to talk about are the ones that I really enjoyed. Okay, mm-hmm. so the first one is Avethija. Um, this is about a family going to the theater to see the the is it the Sarthuela? Um, so they're going to the theater and and the dad's kind of slo- slovenly and he has to get the daughter and the mom to like help him get dressed and get his tie done up and he doesn't know how to put the tie on and all this kind of stuff. But they go out to the theater. And this is a societal tale on, on, on morality within the family and how there's like a social, how the things that you do kind of impact on your family standing morally and all this kind of stuff. So it's right out of the playbook of, of Flaubert and Balzac and all of that, you know. And don't forget, like, um, for our listeners, Clarine was, was Perez Galdós, one of the two main representatives of Spanish realism in literature. So he's obviously talking a lot about society and classes and... Yeah. And they then they talk about que cosas había visto la niña. So like what things that the girl has seen because they think that their little girl has seen too much. Um, And they think that it's broken her innocence. And then they're sad because they say we are her parents and actually we are the people who have let her see this stuff. And they talk about she has lost her innocence that night. And I got really confused and I'm thinking did they like prostitute her out or something like what, what, what are they talking about but no it's actually not like that it's just that they think that taking her to these theatrical shows is so crazy and immoral that they've like <laughs> exposed her to like this uh underworld almost you know right okay yeah and their their, their sadness is actually based on the the kind of moral decadence of the society you know <laughs> oh yeah okay fair enough yeah so anyway, a little bit big... of humor Big, big theme in realism, though, to be fair, and in naturalism, because uh, he's writing quite late in the nineteenth century. Yeah, but the humor is obviously very typical of of Balzac. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Balzac, yeah. 
Uh, then right. we have Pippa. And this one's sad. There's a little boy that... No, I think he's an orphan boy, if I remember correctly, almost out of the Dickens playbook. But no one really seems to care much about him. He's trying to be friends with this little girl and her mom's playing with her and they're doing like cow. It's, it's quite endearing. The little girl, they want sweets and they want the mom to pretend to be a cow. And there's just extended scenes of the mom's going around going moo. And it's, it's actually quite a nice and endearing to read parts of this one. Yeah. But then they kind of don't care about this poor boy, Pippa. And there's a... At one point, he gets drunk, and they say, oh, he's dead. No, no, he's not dead. He's just drunk. You know, it's kids in this one. Uh, he's just, he's had alcohol, so they just kind of leave him in a chest. And then the house burns okay. down, and they just leave him. Okay. And afterwards, they say, who is it that died? Oh, nobody. Just Pippa. Oh, no. It's very sad. It's really sad. They don't care, you yeah. know? But that's that's the difference, clear difference, everyone, for literature students between realism and naturalism. Naturalism is without humor. And you're depicting death, the underworld, and poor people in naturalism, whereas realism tries to depict all classes. And uh, so it might be about the kings as well. So I just want to show you the, that's the clear difference. Okay. So that's a naturalist, though. Mm-hmm. Then we have El Cura de Vericueto. So Cura is a, I guess a priest, I guess, um, or a, some kind of religious man anyway. This one's not super good, but it's just about this kind of priest who's interested in philosophy. Okay. Um, so he just kind of goes around talking about, you know, different types of philosophy and, and wanting to engage in discussions, um, you know, about all the different kind of philosophical stuff that we would have, we would learn about in school and uni. And it's quite it's quite interesting, but not not a lot really happens in that one to like excite me. Just I just thought it was nice to see the the priest, you know, going around talking about all that stuff. The only real thing that yeah. happens is he gets into debt, and he kind of thinks that they'll go easy on him because he's a priest, but they don't. And the guy is really cruel and kind of is willing to destroy him. And at the very end, he finally gets some money and then dies. <laughs> Again, naturalism. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And one that I really like, this one's very powerful, it's the last one I'm going to talk about, Los Dos Cajas, The Two Boxes. Okay. It's about a... I can't actually remember off the top of my head if it was a violin or a cello, but anyway, it's a, it's a classical musician, right? I think he's playing a okay. violin. Let's say it's a violin. And um, he used to be good, you know, he used to put on shows, but he's kind of a bit washed up now, and there's a bit of like, oh, you're not good anymore, you know, you're a one-trick pony or whatever, you know. And he's doing some shows and he's getting a bad reputation, but his wife's his biggest fan and she always goes to see him anyway, this kind of stuff, you know. Um, and eventually they split up and it's sad and right. they have a little boy. But what are the two, all, all I need to say to make this powerful and to make people want to read it, what are the two boxes? Well, there are two boxes that he buries. And one is oh. the body of his dead son. And the second is the violin. That oh my kind of has God, a breakdown and buries them together, you know. So wow, that's that's a that's a powerful metaphor. Yeah, Th- that was my favorite, just for the like <laughs> the shock, yeah, not the shock, but the feeling, you know. Um. Wow, I love that. I love that concept. Well, that's a, that's a really powerful. From all the stories, that one really impressed me. That's why I saved it for last. You see, it's almost as if I knew how to um, to host a show. Um, well, you tell, well, tell, well. <laughs> well, then I went online, actually, and I read one little bonus one because I discovered that he had one not in the book called Socrates Rooster. And there's not a lot to say about this one. Just two sentences, really. But 
It's about what happens with Crito after Socrates. You know, remember Socrates says we owe a rooster to Crito or whatever. So um, this is just, he goes to get the rooster and pay the debt. And the rooster talks to him and says, he meant it metaphorically. He didn't mean it real. And then he argues with the rooster and then he kills the rooster anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fun one. Yeah. So that's oh, just that's a little bonus one, you know. It was, so it was, it was nice. A little fun fact about Clarine. Uh, supposedly, he was a really terrible, um, unintelligible writer. So no one could understand his writings. And both Perez Galdós and the other naturalist author from Galicia, Alexander, if you're listening, Emilia Pardo Bassan, have both commented, and it's publicly recorded, like making fun of Clarín's writing. Perez Galdós very musically, uh, amusingly uh, wrote that uh, it's always a pleasure receiving letters from you because it feels like I, I have it's a guess game so i'm always trying to guess what you wrote down uh, so it's very i just find it amusing mm. they can be a writer and be completely unintelligible fun fact yeah. as well Karl marx no one could read Karl marx except his three daughters right. so the three daughters had to write had to write down uh das capital that's a that's a huge uh, uh work and they had to write it because they just no one else could understand marx's writing wow so you know so, just a little fun fact. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Box right there.